Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18. And we will just be reading one verse as a basis to start us off this morning. This morning we want to speak on the subject, what a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. When we say that, we automatically think of the old Joseph Scriven a poem that he wrote and then the music was put to it, to the hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. But Wamaya meaning close to God. And I was thinking about this and thinking of how close Christ is to us, how close Christ is to the believer and how close Christ can be to you if he's your savior and how close Christ can be if you receive him as your own personal savior. Just Proverbs 18 and verse 24, please. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Proverbs 18 and 24. Let's read it again. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Let us pray. Eternal God and our Heavenly Father, this morning again we thank you for this day. Such a, a beautiful day that you've given us together. We thank you, Lord, for each and every head and home and heart that's represented this morning. We pray for them, Lord, that whoever is in this vicinity this morning, for those who watch live or later, whether it's in Facebook or YouTube or wherever they may find this, we pray, O oh God, that you, by your Spirit and the Word, would reach the hearts of men and women, that you would edify your church, that you would convict those who are not yet uh, come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray, Father, this morning or this meeting be over, Lord, that someone would come to faith in him bowing the knee. And Father, we pray, O oh God, that you would give them repentance unto life. So glorify thy son. Bless this family, Mark, Claire, and Maya. We ask you, O oh God, that you would encourage them and glorify thy son this morning. For Jesus' sake, I pray and ask it. Amen. As I said this morning at the dedication, Maya means close to God. Got me thinking. Katie means pure or even pure heart. And Andy means strong, strong. In Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4, the psalmist says, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Speaking about the presence of the Lord. Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands, and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Now, if we were to try and fit ourselves into that bracket outside of Christ, we would fail completely. None of us have a clean hands or a pure heart in the sense that they are guiltless, but rather that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, as the Scriptures tell us. No matter how good we try to be. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Listen to Proverbs 20 and verse 9. 
Proverbs 20 and verse 9. Who can say, I have made my heart clean. I am pure from my sin. Who can say, I have made my heart clean. I am pure from my sin. Not one of us can say that. Not one of us could say that before we were saved. And even today, we rely on the grace of God and in the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to cleanse us from all of our sin. So if you're not saved this morning and you don't know Christ as your own Lord, and you've never come by faith to the cross, repenting of your sin, your heart is unclean according to the Scripture. Your hands are unclean according to the Scripture, and you can do nothing to make yourself clean, pure, according to the Scriptures. But listen to the Lord Jesus in Matthew 5 in the Beatitudes and verse 8. He says, blessed are the pure in heart. Notice, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, if you and I have a heart that is impure, if you and I have a heart and we cannot purify it ourselves, speaking of our, our spirit man and woman, our soul, and we cannot cleanse it ourselves, and we have no hope of heaven, then how will we see God? I ask you this morning, friend, how do you intend to see God? Blessed are the pure in heart, the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, for they, the pure in heart, shall see God. The pure in heart are those who have been washed in the blood by faith, washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and are walking with him to the best of their abilities, yet carried by him, kept by him, every single day of their life, living in grace. And even the word ande means strong. We're all so weak that we cannot save ourselves. If the depravity of our human nature enables us, gives us a complete inability a complete inability to save ourselves. In other words, there's nothing we can do, nothing we can give, nothing we can add to save ourselves. Notice here, Daniel 11 and verse 32 says of God's people, the people that do know their God. The word know gives the idea of intimately knowing God intimately knowing God. Do you intimately know the Lord? Have you a relationship with him? God willing, we'll look at this in a moment, that relationship brings revelation. Relationship brings revelation of God. You go deeper with God and further in, as it were, to the things of God because he lives in you. But Daniel 11 and 32 says, the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. In Ephesians, the apostle Paul tells us in chapter 6 and in verse 10, he says, finally, my brethren. Notice he's speaking to those who love Christ. He's speaking to those who know Christ. Finally, my brethren, be strong 
Are you weak this morning, Christian? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Rest everything in him. I was talking to someone just before the meeting. And he says, the last time you prayed for me, there were so many things that they were against or looking, they were coming up to do and they were being overwhelmed as it were. And he says, from the last time and you prayed, I took it as it were, day at a time, resting in the timing and the strength and the power of God. Be strong in the Lord, in the word of God and in the power of his might. So in Proverbs 18 and verse 24, it says, a man that hath friends must show himself to be friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Notice. Are you friendly? It's a strange question, isn't it? You know, people who aren't friendly, they don't seem to have many friends. According to the scripture, it's true. If someone is always aggressive, if someone is always quarrelsome, if someone is always ignorant, if someone even is a person who would be more within themselves and not wanting to be friendly with others. I know some people who have come to me over the years and says, Pastor, such and such have been sort of giving me a bye ball. They've been bypassing me. They're not too friendly with me. And I hadn't had it in my heart to say, it's because you're not a friendly person. I have to think of something to try and make my way around it that they won't be hurt, but yet be instructed. Are you friendly, Christian? Are you friendly? But here's the thing, friend, this morning. Are you friendly to the gospel? Are you friendly to the things of God? Are you friendly to the word of God? Because many people are not friendly to the gospel. Rather, they are antagonistic and against the gospel. And they hate the Lord Jesus Christ. And even if it's mentioned within family circles, they would get up and leave the room so as not to have to even listen to that word. Are you friendly towards Christ and the gospel? Are you open to the sense that, yes, well, let me hear. Is your heart totally closed? Are you friendly towards God's people? Listen to the Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 15, speaking about friends, his friends. Verse 13 says, he says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus is speaking about Calvary. He's speaking about the agony the shame, the pain, the sorrow and the suffering that he was about to go through for those whom he would call friends. 
Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Notice what he says then in verse 14. Ye are my friends. Isn't that great? If you do. If you do whatsoever I command you. So here's a clause to become friends with Christ. We sing it. People sing it around the world. What a friend we have in Jesus. And they don't even know him as a friend. He's our Lord, yes. He's our Savior. He's our Redeemer. He's our Master. He's our God. We reverence and respect him. But in relationship to him, he's our friend. And hence then, we are close to God. What a friend we have in Jesus. But Jesus' clause is, Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Not if you do the things you want to do or live the life you want to live or do the things that others are telling you to do and going with the flow. No, he's saying, you're my friends, if you do whatsoever I command. And those commandments sometimes can be difficult. They can be hard. Those commandments sometimes, they can be strenuous in the sense that it goes against everything you want to do in your own life and will. It's whether we love Christ more than ourselves or not is the thing we must come to, the point we must be at. Do you love Christ more than yourself? See, there's always a question, do you love Christ more than the world? Many people say yes, and I think we all fail at some point, at some time. Do you love Christ more than your neighbors? And some of you might say, well, that's not too hard if you had my neighbors. Do you love Christ more than whatever you have or hold? And And we we might think about this and say, yes, I do. As a believer, I do. But do you love Christ more than yourself? Do you love him more than yourself? That is a dying to self now. He says in verse 15 of John 15, henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. So he will, he has those who are serving in the sense where, yes, well, we're Christian here. We're, we, yes, we'll say we're Christians, but, but don't go too far with this. You know, people say, you, you know, you go too deep with this Jesus thing. I don't get that. To me, it's all or nothing. It's Christ or nothing. Or everything else and no Christ. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. He said to his disciples, So here is the fellowship with Christ, friendship brings revelation of the Father. Friendship with Christ. In other words, we're just not ticking the box on a Sunday morning. 
we're not just ticking the box by saying a wee quick bless me prayer before I go to bed at night. Brothers and sisters, you see, do you really believe he's the living Christ? Do you honestly believe in your own heart? Can you honestly say that he is the living Lord Jesus Christ? Can you honestly say that this Holy Spirit, he lives in you? That he lives in you? Because if he truly lives in you, just to say, well, I've clocked my card, as it were, on a Sunday, or I've, I've said a wee prayer at night, it's not enough. If you really believe that Christ is alive in you, and if Christ is alive in you, then how alive are you in Christ? If you and I really truly believe that Christ is living in us, because that brings revelation. The deeper things of God, the deeper places with God, it's walking with him. You see, as people have a sad time to pray, and please keep doing that. I'm not saying anything against that. Please hear me. I'm not saying anything against that. But I don't know how you live your life. I can only tell you how I live my life with the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is how I live my life wherever I am. Whether I'm out walking or at home. Out the back kicking the ball from a dog. He drops up my feet and I kick it again and every time he's away running after it, I'm talking to the Lord. I'm out walking and I haven't talked to him maybe for a while in my own thoughts and I'd be out walking or driving and I start talking to him because, you see, he's living in me. He's alive in me. And if he's living in you and if he's alive in you, then you're close to God and God is close to you. And so we have to ask you, is the Lord living in you? People could go for days and days without even thinking about him, let alone talking to him. You know, he's more than a fire escape. Do you know that? He's more than a fire escape from hell. He's a living person living in the hearts of men and women. And even whenever we do the things we should not do and be the people we should not be, even though we're, none of us are perfect, not one of us are perfect. We're perfected in Christ, but we're not perfect in ourselves. And even though we are like that, does conviction come to the heart? I was talking to a few men just before the meeting started, and I'm not going to tell you what I said. Nothing bad, by the way. But I thought about what was happening to our land and our nation. I thought about all those who were voted in just in the last couple of days. People voting for those who would commit abortion. Legalize gay marriage bring in all sorts of ungodly, wicked laws and rules and regulation, being voted in, liberalism. 
hearers of God's word, those who bring laws in to keep God's people away from even a protest or a witness for the unborn. And, and, I, I, and yesterday, as I, I seen the, some of the final conclusions of it, those who would come and, and, and destroy human life. I was so cross. I was so angry. I had to go and pray. I had to go and pray. Not even for the land. I had to go and pray for forgiveness for myself. Forgive me, Lord. I felt my sanctification was walking out the door. Maybe it was a righteous anger. But the conviction comes to the heart even when we're on our own. When we're by ourselves, we're in a place and it's no one can see, but if you were to sin and do something wrong where no one else knows the secret places of sin, does conviction come to your heart? Does conviction come to your heart? Does the Spirit of God strike your heart? And hence, now there's a sense of him doing it now. There's a sense of him speaking now. You know why? Because he had speak to every one of us. Jesus said, I call you friends for all things that I've heard of my father, I have made known unto you. What a friend we have in Jesus that he is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. In other words, Jesus said, I will die for you that you might be my friend. Imagine that. But this not only speaks of his death at Calvary and salvation to whosoever will call on his name to be saved. It speaks of, the, of unity with him and the revelation from him and fellowship with him and closeness with him. And those whom he died for, who did he die for? Turn with me to Romans chapter 5, please. Romans chapter 5. And just let your eye run down to verse 7 for time's sake. In fact, let your eye run down to verse 6. Romans 5 and 6. For when we were yet without strength, without strength, unable to save ourselves, as we said earlier, for we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the good living. Is that what it says? Christ died for those who aren't bad people. They're not too bad. You know, they're decent enough. Is that what it says? It doesn't say that. It says Christ died for the ungodly. Because you see, when Jesus came and he said that a man or a woman, he says, don't go to the doctors and tell the doctor there's nothing wrong with them. They go because they're sick. They that be whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. 
See the word righteous? None are righteous. There's none righteous, no, not one. The idea here is these Pharisees and these Jewish leaders, they were so righteous in their own eyes. They'd done no wrong, yet they were sinners in their hearts. were far, far away from God. I came not to call the righteous. There's someone that says, I'm not that bad. I'm even a churchgoer. I go to my church all the time. If you're relying on your church for your salvation, your church will take you to hell. This church cannot save you here. And if you're relying on this church, on this man, then you'll go to hell. Jesus says, I didn't come to call those who say, well, you know, I, I'm not too bad. I don't need Jesus. Uh, he says, but I came, to come, come, I came to call the sinner. The man and the woman who say, I am a sinner. I realize I'm a sinner. And I realize of no strength. I'm ungodly without you. My hands aren't clean. My heart is impure. Will you save me? That's who he came to call. Romans 5 and 7 says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. In other words, you and I might die for somebody that's good to us. Might die for your own children or someone that's good to you. But what about someone who's at enmity with you? An enemy of you? What about that person? That's who Christ has come to die for. People like you, people like me. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, but peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, notice, yet sinners, Christ died for us. The word commendeth means to the love of God came and stood beside me. Stood with me. Exhibited itself to me. This you're talking about a man who was a drunkard. You're talking about a man, talking about me. A man who was a drug addict. Me. You're talking about a man who was arrested from he was 12 years old, 14, 17, and 21. You're talking about me. And yet the love of God stood with me in all of my sin, with all of my vileness. I was ungodly. My hands were not pure, clean, or my heart pure. I had no hope or strength to enter into his presence nor heaven. He exhibited his love. His love was exhibited to me in the cross of Calvary. And listen, he's done it for all of you too. Notice what it says in verse 9. Much more than being now justified by his blood. I love that. Would you say now? That means a lot, you know. I'm justified now. My sins are washed away. Your sins are washed away. 
just as if you'd never sinned, being justified now, how? By his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. I'm going to tell you something. People talk about, as I mentioned earlier, oh, saved from hell, yes, absolutely. Saved from the lake of fire, yes, absolutely. Saved from our sin, yes, absolutely. We're even saved from ourselves, absolutely. But I'm going to tell you one thing that you're saved from more than anything else. You're saved from God's wrath. You're saved from God himself. Do you ever think like that? You're saved from God. So the Lord Jesus, he says, but I have called you friends for all things that I've heard of my Father have made known to you. In other words, to be close to Jesus is to be close to God. To be close to Jesus is to be close to God. And that brings revelation of the Lord. Psalm 103 and verse 7 says, Of the Lord he made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. Moses is up the mountain. Exodus 19 in the marriage of, of ancient Israel at the, the foot of the mountain comes. And he's, he's up the mountain and there's the thundering and the earthquakes and the, 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 the lightning and everything going on up the mountain. And Moses is in the middle of it and God is speaking to him. But the people see it like that down at the foot of the mountain. You see, he made known his, his ways. Moses understood more about God than he understood why God done things. And there's a whole lot of things I don't understand why God does them. I still can't get to grips with them. But I know the closer I get to him and the nearer I get to him, that he starts to show me things because I'm close to God, because I'm close to Christ. But the acts, what was happening? Israel could see what was happening. That's where the church is feeling miserably, I believe, this last while. I believe we're failing and miserably our land. The people can see certain things and acts of, of what God could do at one point, and now they don't see much of it. And the church itself, like Moses up the mountain, they're meant to be so close to God that they bring them word. They bring them close to God. But now God isn't even hardly mentioned. Christ is hardly even mentioned. The blood is hardly even mentioned in many churches now. The sacrifice of Christ, his finished work, his doing and his dying and his rising again, is glibly passed, passed over as they read a certain scripture of a watered-down version of God's word. Hasn't got the import and the impact that it always had. And many we have found are behind the pulpit for a job and not through a calling. So Proverbs 18 and verse 24 says, a man that hath friends, notice plural, friends, must show himself friendly and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. The Lord Jesus Christ is that friend. 
Here's what I've written. It goes without saying, it is better to have one good, trustworthy, loving, caring, faithful, and reliable friend than many unreliable ones. My dentist, strange, went to see him a lot a few months ago, a couple of months ago, and he puts you in the chair and you, you lie back, you know, and they sort of tilt you over. You're looking up at the ceiling. And he used to have scripture texts on the ceiling for you to read while he was doing your teeth. This is one of the texts that he had. Proverbs 25 and verse 19. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. Now, here's the thing. There's one of our ladies who went on the ladies' trip to the conference or their way. He had to come back. It was Trace, actually, it was Tracy. And Tracy had to come home because she's got a, a really sore tooth. And she's waiting to see if she can get somebody emergency to look at it. She's sitting at home. So I can imagine Tracy, will, if she's watching live, as she usually would if she wasn't here, she's watching this and she'll be going, no, I understand that. <laughs> you know when you've got that sore tooth and you think it's, you know, stand down a bit and then, oh, oh. Confidence, to put your confidence in, in someone that, is unreliable, to put your confidence in someone that is unfaithful. It happens in church circles. People who are unreliable, people who are unfaithful, untrustworthy, even with a position that the Lord has given them. It can happen at home. It happens with your neighbors. It can happen with your friends. And, and you may have a, a, so many around you, but there's one friend, one friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Close to God. I must bring this to a close. Can you turn with me to James chapter 4? And this will be our closing thoughts on this. James chapter 4, please. Verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses. I take note. Know ye not that friendship of the world, friendship of the world is enmity. Notice the word enmity. Underline it. Mark it. Is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. That's not some pastor saying that. I'm only reading it. That's the word of God. Notice a friendship of the world. If you have friendship, Christian, with the world, then we have to go back to where we started. Is Where is the living Christ in you? 
I understand we all struggle with things, but there's people that just struggle forever with something that they should have had the victory over. If Christ is alive in you. I had to dig deep. I had to dig hard. I, I had to get the heels, the spiritual heels in and, and keep trusting God when I first got saved because I had no Christian friends. I wasn't from a Christian home. I was homeless. In fact, I had nowhere to put my head to call my own house. I had nowhere to live. I'd just been in trouble two days before and arrested in the court in Newton Abbey. What does a Christian do? What does a, where does a Christian go? What do you do now? How am I going to get through the next moment? Because I needed a fix every day. Every day. I couldn't even sleep without getting a fix. Even if it was a half a dozen beer, I had to drink it to get asleep. I had voices in my head telling me to commit suicide. What does a Christian do? Where do they go now? I'm a, I'm a babe in Christ. What's next, Lord? I had no one to turn to. I didn't go back to the church and talk to the pastors. But in my life, I had no fellowship and I had no help anywhere else. So please don't tell me you cannot overcome in Christ's name. I did have uh, the shakes and the withdrawals and all of those things. And I did have an angry temper. And God had to work with me and he can change that. He can change your mood. He can change that. And people say, you, I, I can't get over this. I just, the Lord will understand if I keep sinning this way. No, he doesn't. And no, he will not. No, he doesn't. And no, he will not. That's why in the book of Revelation, the seven churches is to those that overcome. The overcomers. Ah, but sure, does it not say in Revelation 12, uh, and he overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb? It does indeed, absolutely. Your sin is washed in the blood, absolutely. But it also says, and he overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto the death. They love not their lives. Remember we said, how alive is the Christ in you. Said it the other day, I'll say it again. Sister, see if your husband is nothing but an angry, bitter man who flies off the handle and he professes Christ. Tell him to go and speak to God. And brother, if your wife said the same, tell her to go speak to God. He changes the heart. Changes the person. He changes the life. He changes that man and he changes that woman. And if there's no change, there's no Christ. And if you have no Christ, then there will be no change. That's why the lost and the ungodly and the sinner have no strength. Their strength is in the Lord if they'll just come to him. 
Know you not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Would you say enmity? Enmity. That was difficult to hear, wasn't it? What I just said before, wasn't that difficult for you? Wasn't it difficult to hear? Because you can feel it. You can feel it. You feel it and I feel it. It's difficult. See the word enmity? It's a word akthra. Akthra. And it means the cause or the reason for hostility, hatred, and opposition. The cause or the reason for hostility, hatred, and opposition. So know you not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. It is the cause. It is the cause or the reason for hostility, opposition, and hatred of God. It's the reason why you hate God. It's why our flesh hates God. That's why men out there and women out there hate God. Because they love what the world is. That's why the liberals got so many votes yesterday. That's why those who have shed on us in blood and Ulster for years have got so many votes yesterday. That's why the Marxists were all put in government yesterday. God's judge in Ulster, do you know that? And until we repent, Whosoever, therefore, will be the friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you see the word, the enemy? There's enmity, and then there's enemy is the word actros. It means to hate with a vengeance. Here's what James is saying. Cause on the fact. The cause and the effect of people's heart hating God is this. They are enmity, they're hostile, an opposition to God because they love the world. That's the cause. The effect is it shows out in their life. You talk to me about him. You talk to me about this gospel. Don't you talk to me about salvation. Don't you tell me that I'm a sinner. Don't you say that I'm ungodly. I didn't, the Bible did The Bible did. The Bible did. That's why the cause is because they love things in the world and they don't want to give it up. The effect is, don't you talk to me about this. Listen, come back to the text. For a man or a woman, he that is to have friends must show himself friendly. And there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. If you want to have friends, you have to be friendly. Are you friendly to the gospel then? Are you friendly to the Lord and the things of God, to the kingdom of God? Or are you at end of the day the cause and 
the effect will show that you hate the Lord because you reject him. James goes on to say, draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. And Jesus says, and I be lifted up from off the earth, I will draw all men unto me. In other words, all types of people will come. God bless you. It's a challenge this morning and a dedication, isn't it? But that's what the Lord gave me for today. God bless us and keep us.